Good morning. Happy New Year again. It is a new year. Welcome to Our Lords. We're a community of worship and formation on mission with Jesus. If you'll notice Brad's shirt, my shirt, a few other shirts. Did you read it there? That's a great group idea. Claire had this idea. So you are full of great ideas and gifts. And so we are asking you to consider leading a group. And so by the end of this month, you can get online and sign up to lead a group. Who has a fresh group idea? Why don't you wave at me? Let me just see. Okay, those of you that have a fresh group idea, look at other people. Say, Lord, stir them up. This is a church everyone gets to play, right? It's not just about the staff or a few leaders, but every single person is gifted and filled with the Holy Spirit to lead and bring things. And so we rely on you because that brings greater richness and diversity. You have ideas, so consider. And the uh, opportunities are limitless. So if you want to lead something online, you can do that. If you want to lead something uh, where people are spread out, you can do that. If you want to uh, lead something in your living room, I mean, just endless possibilities. We want people studying the Bible. We want people praying and worshiping, people doing new believer groups, uh, game groups, unlimited opportunities to, to lead a group. So consider praying and listening to what the Lord might have for you to lead and facilitate by the end of this month. Right, Connie? So we are coming through quite an unusual, intense time, aren't we? Some of you are chuckling. Some of you are saying, oh my goodness, I don't know if we can handle any more. But I want to say, you know what, church, we are in a good place. You hear me? We are in a good place. We are on good, solid footing. Man, this is a great time to be a Christian, isn't it? I cannot imagine in this cultural moment right now what it would be like to be without Jesus at the center of your life. We, everything can shake to the core, but we're kingdom people. So we've, we've come through this, we're still in COVID, and what we are praying is, Lord, we are not going to walk in fear. We're going to walk in courage and wisdom. It's the beginning of a new year. We've got political unrest. We want to stay politically informed and active, but no fear, friends. No fear. Courage. We're going to be looking at the book of Revelation, and it is an amazing, hopeful book, and the timing is pretty uncanny for us. We are kingdom people, and so no matter what is happening around us, our feet are firmly planted on the foundation, Jesus, and we can have confidence. We're going to be welcoming new members, so um, we are creating different on-ramps for you over the next few weeks, easy on-ramps as we come back together. Some of you have been worshiping at home, and you're back with us. We're glad you're here. We've got new uh, visitors. 
We've got some folks that are ready to sign on. So we're gonna be, in the coming weeks, uh, creating these on-ramps. We'll have some online, we'll have information posted, we'll have forms that you can fill out, and then mark this, write this down, put it in your phone, January 31st, January 31st, from 12 to 12.30, we're gonna have a, a brief new members meeting. When is it? January 31. 12 to 12.30, so we'll have more information posted on, online, we'll send some information out to you, so if you're interested in joining our Lords and making it official, we would love to have you, we'll, we'll make it as streamlined as possible. Another thing before we look at the book of Revelation this morning is we are moving ahead with our gracious departure from the RCA, um, and our desired integration into the Vineyard Movement. And on that note, uh, we're having a number of RCA, Reformed Church leaders, planning to be here February 20th to interact with staff and discuss what God's doing um, for them to help discern what's happening among us. And they're being incredibly gracious. And some of you know this, we've got some folks that are, are new or visiting, but we're in the process of discerning uh, what our future holds. So I know some of you are saying, why haven't you been talking about that? Well, we've been waiting. Lots of things have been going on with the RCA and with COVID, and we've been waiting to hear from them, and they've put it on the calendar now. So February 20th will be an important date for us, for our leaders, for our, our members, and I'll be providing more information on that. So today, we are beginning our new series on the book of Revelation. And I don't think it could be more timely, do you? This book is a prophecy for the church throughout history and throughout the world. Oftentimes when people talk about the book of Revelation, there are two extremes, and one is avoid it. Oh my goodness. Avoid it in despair. I can't even hear about the book of Revelation. I gotta steer clear of it. A second extreme is to take an exaggerated interest in it, to look for the keys to the end of the world. And so we're gonna steer clear of both of these extremes. And our aim, like the book says, in chapter 217 is to hear what the Holy Spirit is saying to the churches. So as we posture ourselves and we're in this series in the coming weeks, we're saying, Holy Spirit, speak to your church. We are listening to what you're saying through this book to us. And the central message of Revelation is what we were singing about this morning. Jesus Christ is Lord. Let's say that together. Jesus Christ is Lord. That's it, so we can go home. We've looked at Revelation, that is the essence of it. And the book is hopeful, it's worshipful, it's about God's kingdom being established through Jesus in human history. And so I want us to lose the preconceived ideas, the judgments we might have about the book, that it's about doomsday. And friends, it is a book of worship. And so what I want to do this morning, we're gonna introduce the book, and then next week we're gonna actually look at chapter one. 
but I want us to think about this is a book of worship. And so more than anything else, the book of Revelation is going to help us lift our eyes to God and Christ Jesus and gaze upon him. That's hopeful. That's certainly not doomsday. That is not negative at all. That is ultimate optimism, to see God with fresh vision, to see what Jesus is doing in and through his church and what the Holy Spirit is saying. That is the central message. I wanna challenge you to think about this too. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. For some of you Baptists out there and Bible bowlers, maybe you memorize this verse. 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17. Listen to what it says. And revelation is included in this. All scripture, all scripture is inspired by God and is useful for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, so that everyone who belongs to God may be proficient and equipped for every good work. So I am telling us this morning that the book of Revelation is God's inspired word, and it's filled with practical wisdom to train us and equip us. It's what the Apostle Paul is saying here. All scripture from Genesis to Revelation is inspired and immensely practical. So what we're gonna do in the coming weeks, we're gonna walk through the book, usually chapter by chapter, maybe half a chapter depending on what's going on, and then probably every three or four weeks, we're gonna hit pause and have an interlude so that you can catch a breath and so that I can stay sane. (laughs) And we're gonna have some other people on the preaching and teaching team who I'm going to uh, joyfully draw into preparation and preaching on the book of Revelation, but we're gonna pace ourselves. How does that sound? Sound okay? So we are, we're gonna work through it because I think that is the, the best way. You can't say, you probably could, but it's not gonna, do justice to the book, but six weeks in the book of Revelation, it just doesn't work. There's 22 chapters. So I'm asking for grace. Um, I've got it mapped out, but we're gonna be flexible about it as well. So we're gonna hit three or four weeks at a time, an interlude, look at something else that God's saying. We're gonna have other people preaching and teaching, but we're gonna make our way through this book because it is an inspired book that equips us for what God's calling us to do in this hour. Amen? Got to share this quote. A great theologian named Justo Gonzalez, listen to what he says as we crack open Revelation. Revelation is a book not of fear, but of hope amid a situation that could seem overwhelming. Sound timing? Timely? It's a book of hope amid a situation that could seem overwhelming. So what we're gonna do today, I'm gonna lay out a map, and I've kept it really simple. I think what I'll do is post some notes online so that you, if you wanna see some more details and get into the granular, you can, but I'm gonna keep it real simple today, and I'm kind of laying out a bare bones map so you can see where we're going in the book, what to expect, and that'll help us look at the lay of the land. And so I'm gonna talk about who authored the book, the date, 
the context, some of these things, the structure, so that it will give us an, a better idea of where we're going in the book. So the author, you know what? I want to pray. Lord, I, I, I just want to uh, appeal to you, Holy Spirit, the author of Scripture. You inspired this book. So from the beginning, we want to rely on you, and we want to ask for the spirit of wisdom and revelation to understand what you have for the church in this hour through this book. Amen. So the author of the book, he designates himself as John, and if you want to look in your Bible, you can. We're going to be referencing certain verses along the way, but again, next week is where we'll really begin to dig in to the text, but the author calls himself John in chapter 1, verse 1, and in 4, and then in chapter 21 and 22, so we know him as John, and it's clear from the writing style of the book of Revelation that this person was probably a Hebrew Christian, a Jewish Christian who is absolutely saturated in the Old Testament scriptures. And we'll see this in a few minutes, but there's no way to understand the book of Revelation without understanding this point. The key to understanding the book of Revelation, the final book in the New Testament, is using the Old Testament because it's shot through. Some commentators say it's the most biblical book in the Bible because it is just absolutely filled. Every page, every chapter is built around references, allusions, images, and symbols taken from the Old Testament. So who wrote it? The early church and the church fathers said that the author was John the Apostle, the beloved, who also wrote the fourth gospel. And really, this was the, the view for hundreds of years. Now, some theologians, some biblical geeks will get in here and say, well, there's stylistic differences between the book of Revelation. It's got kind of rougher Greek language and the Gospel of John. And that's led some people to believe that it may be another John because it doesn't say the Apostle John who wrote the fourth gospel. But in the end, you know what? It doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter. It is in the Christian canon and my personal opinion that it is probably the Apostle John who wrote it, and I'm grateful for that. When was the book written? What is the date of the book of Revelation? And just bear with me in this. This will help. We're setting the stage, setting the context, getting our bearings so that as we enter in in the coming weeks, we've got a better idea in mind of the purpose of the book of Revelation so what we're going to hear quite a bit about is the Roman Empire. And some are suggesting that the book of Revelation was written by John shortly after the reign of Nero in 54 to 68 AD, somewhere in there. And there was a persecution of Christians happening at that time. There was a cult, a religious following around the empire and the emperor. There was the the temple still remaining. And so some people would argue that I'm going to suggest that it was actually Domitian sometime between 81 and 96. Bear with me, some of you. I know I'm putting some dates out there, but this is going to be immensely helpful. 
under the reign of Domitian, the book of Revelation was written. And some of the early church fathers agree with this. Irenaeus was one of the early church fathers in the second century, and he said, Revelation happened under Domitian. That's going to be critically important as we move into the book because John is going to point to the emperor and he's going to point to the Roman state and have very important things to say about them. And so if we know who that person might be, it's going to help us better understand John's message. All right? What are the settings? What's the circumstances in which this book was written? We're going to find out that the book of Revelation was actually a circular letter. It has nothing to do with shape. It's not a round letter. But it's a letter that was meant to be circulated among the churches of modern-day Turkey. It was Asia Minor then, and there are seven churches have the opportunity to, to go visit these churches in, in modern Turkey. And they're kind of, if you look at it on a map, they're in a horseshoe shape. And so the letter started at Ephesus and worked its way through Smyrna and Pergamum and all the way through these seven churches. And so it was written and distributed and it circulated through these seven churches. It's an apocalyptic prophetic letter. This is a, a certain type or genre of writing that the Jews receive from the Lord to bring encouragement in difficult times. Some people would say it's a tract for people who are being persecuted. It's a book meant to help those who are in suffering or about to suffer for the gospel. It's interesting some uh, commentators on Revelation say, you know what, though? It's really not just an apocalyptic writing. Because when you look at apocalyptic writings, they usually say this. The world is coming to an end. Give up. Oftentimes, the apocalyptic writings say that. People say about Revelation, the message is the world is coming to a beginning get to work. And so I want us to think about this. This is an apocalyptic prophetic letter, but it's different than many other in the ancient world. The world is coming to a new beginning, and it's time for us to get to work. That's the message. It's not the ship is sinking. We're all barely holding on to the Christian Titanic. We're at the very end. Get ready to get helicoptered out by Jesus. That is not the message of Revelation. We're going to see that the message of the, Revel of the book of Revelation is the kingdom has invaded human history and is changing it, even though most people may not even see or recognize. Friends, to put this in context, this letter was given 2,000 years ago to seven churches who were suffering and about to suffer more, and we're fast forward 2,000 years later, we are part of the greatest movement in human history. This has spread worldwide. Over a billion people are people of the church, people of the kingdom. This is a triumphant book with a message for us at this moment. So the setting is important to understand we're going to be learning about the Roman Empire. We're going to see things about the Roman Empire. It was a very, very organized system 
which was helpful and wonderful until it turned on the Christians. So we're gonna notice things about the Roman Empire, their culture, their language, their form of government, the law that they brought. And what was interesting, when the book of Revelation was written, and it was being led by the emperor, probably Domitian, let's say that together, Domitian, Domitian. There was a growing practice that we're gonna learn about of emperor worship. And so the people in the Roman culture were being forced to worship their government. They were being forced to give ultimate allegiance to the leader of their government. And the book of Revelation says that is not the way of Christians. When Christians said Jesus Christ is Lord, they were declaring battle against the principalities and powers behind the Roman Empire. The Roman Empire was saying Caesar is Lord. Domitian is Lord. And you must worship him. When he comes through your town or city, you must give allegiance. You must take a pinch of incense and offer it to him. And the Christians said, no, we will not do that. We do not worship government. We do not worship the state. We do not worship any political leader. We worship Jesus. Jesus Christ is Lord. And so we're going to be learning about that as the chapters unfold. And because these churches were saying Jesus Christ is Lord and resisting the forced worship of the empire, they were going to face suffering. And so the book of Revelation is meant to encourage them as they faced persecution, suffering, and even martyrdom. One other person, and I'm just going to sprinkle some of these along the way because I'm grateful to them and I'm indebted to some of these people that have devoted their lives to studying the scriptures, to studying the book of Revelation. One of them is with the Lord now, but Gordon Fee says this, the church and the state are on a collision course of some magnitude over who runs the universe. And John fully recognizes that power and victory presently appear to belong to the state. But because of Rome's arrogance and oppression, God will bring her to ruin and establish his kingdom. So friends, this book is making it clear who is Lord, who is the absolute ruler, who is king, and it's Jesus. Different ways to read this book, methods of interpretation, and there's four of them primarily. And like many things, if you isolate yourself in one of the methods or the schools of thought, you're usually going to run into issues or problems. So I think there's a little bit of help, a little bit of insight in each of them, but I'm going to tell you where I ultimately land. The first method of interpretation, the first way of reading it and understanding it is called the preterist. Let's say preterist. 
And it's a word that really means John is describing what is happening in his own time. Some of you are saying, well, wait, 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 wait. I thought it's pretty future-oriented. Well, the preterist interpretation would say that John is using language to describe what is unfolding in the first century. This will make more sense in the coming weeks. A second method of interpretation is called the historicist or the historical. Basically, this method of interpretation believes that in the book of Revelation, it's outlining the whole of history from Christ's first coming to his second coming and even beyond that in the millennium. So that's the futurist, I mean the, the historicist. The third one, you with me? Is the idealist. And this is basically someone who would read the book. This is the one that I probably would least agree with. It's more espoused by kind of liberal readers of the book of Revelation. And it would basically view the book of Revelation and say that it is a symbolic and spiritual treatise that sets forth timeless and practical wisdom. And, you know, there's some truth to that, but if that's your sole lens of reading the book, you're misguided. A fourth thing, this one's important, is called the futurist. And this one is reading the book of Revelation and interpreting it as prophecies of future events that precede Christ's second coming and the end of the age. So here we have these four things. Again, I'll provide notes if you want them. I didn't want to overwhelm you with a bunch of slides. The preterist, the historicist, the idealist, the futurist. Just letting you know up front that I am going to be using the method of combining the preterist and the futurist. So what do I mean by that? We're going to be asking every week as we look at this, what did it mean for them in the first century? Man, any thoughtful Bible reader, Bible interpreter is going to be asking that over and over again. What did this mean for them, for the original audience? Just like we would ask if we were reading and studying the book of Isaiah or the book of Galatians, you always want to be asking what was God saying to those people at that time? Critically important, right? Would you agree? And so that really is the essence of that preterist method of interpretation. What did it mean for the original audience? But then, secondly, I'm going to be suggesting the futurist, that you can't read Revelation and just say, what did it mean for them? especially when you get into chapters 14 through 22 and say, well, this happened in the first century. I just don't know how you can say that. So we're going to look at this from the preterist and the futurist. So not only what did it say to them, but what is it saying to us as a prophetic word for all churches, for all time, all right? How about the structure of the letter? How are we doing? Doing all right? The structure of the letter. I love this. Someone said, this is the easiest way to understand the book of Revelation. It's got two parts to it. Chapters 1 to 11 are about the bridegroom. Chapters 12 through 22 are about 
the bride. It's very simple because that is one of the themes that we're going to see in the book of Revelation is that Jesus has a bride, his church, and he is seeing to it that that bride is preparing and making herself ready with all the resources that God supplies through the Holy Spirit and that one day the bride and the bridegroom will meet face to face and the worldwide church spanning time made up of all nations will meet the Lord Jesus in all of his glory. It's a great simple outline, isn't it? The bridegroom and the bride. I'm gonna suggest though, as we work through it, that it's actually a letter. We're gonna see in chapter one that the book of Revelation is a letter. And so it follows the structure of many of the other letters in the New Testament. It's got a prologue, a foreword, chapter one, verses one through three. You can write that down if you want or you can see notes later. So after the prologue in chapter one, one to three, is a greeting. Again, this is how they wrote letters in the ancient world. John is going to greet the churches in chapter one, verses four through five. And then chapter one, verse five, the body of the letter is spelled out. And so he's gonna begin to unfold the beautiful, stunning vision of God and Christ Jesus from 1-5 to 22-20. And that's the essence, really. That's the bulk of the letter is the body. And then at the end, Revelation 22-21 is the farewell. And so we're gonna be understanding this. It's a circular letter written for these seven churches and it follows an ancient form of letter writing. And that's gonna help us understand and get inside of it, understand what he's laying out here. We'll look at this next week, so I'm trying not to get ahead of myself. I keep going, oh, I wanna go there so bad, but I'm gonna rein it back in. But the book in one, let's look there. I'm just, I'm not doing a very good job. So look at uh, Revelation 1, verse 19. Not only is it a letter with typical letter structure, but John also has a little condensed outline in chapter one at verse 19. And again, this will make much more sense next week as we look at it and we walk through it and we see some of the key words and themes and what's being woven in this. But chapter 119 says this, now write what you have seen. And this is the Lord speaking to John. Write what you have seen, John. What is and what is to take place after this. And so John is giving another little condensed outline of what the book of Revelation is about. It's about what you have seen, what is now, and what is to take place later. So all of that will come into clear focus. Okay, I want to look here at some of the key themes. And this is where it gets juicy. I just, oh my goodness, the key themes of these 22 chapters. We could have 22 themes, but I just want to share a few of them to whet your appetite, to pique your interest. And I'm inviting us in the coming weeks to read the book of Revelation like you've never read it. Lose the doomsday lose the 
Uh, I'm so confused. I can't figure out. There's seven trumpets here and seven bowls here and dragons fighting, and I'm absolutely overwhelmed. It's like playing Dungeons and Dragons. I just have no idea where I'm going and lose all of that, okay? I'm inviting us week by week to work through this. The letter, the inspired letter given to the church of all time, and we're going to walk through it, and it's going to make a lot more sense, and it's going to be filled with power and encouragement and hope for us in this moment. The first theme, now that you have Revelation open, look at Revelation 1, verse 1. And I'm going to ask one of you to read aloud what is that opening line, those five words. Revelation 1, 1, what's it say? Say it again. So it's letting you know from the beginning that this is a book about Jesus Christ. It is a revelation of him. What does he mean by of? Well, I think it means two things. I think it means that he's the source. It's from him. It belongs to him. It comes from him and the Father, but it's also about him. It is the, he is the central character, the central subject. And so John is signaling to us in that first chapter, if you're losing sight that this is a revelation of the person of Jesus and his work in the church, you're misreading it. So it's really not about end-time tables and end-time insights. And it is about Jesus and his work in the church. It is a revelation, and I, all the books of the Bible are amazing and wonderful and stunning, but this one is particularly God-centered and Christ-centered. Every chapter is getting the church to look up and gaze upon God and Christ. A second thing, a key theme is, I've mentioned this already, but it's a book of worship. Revelation offers a vision of God and Jesus the Lamb and the response of worship. It is worship of the Holy Trinity, as we'll see next week, from the Father, through the Son, by the Spirit. And it's meant, as we'll see next week, to be read aloud, a circular letter that was meant to be read aloud. And John says, blessed are those who read aloud the words of this prophecy. And we're going to experience that. We're going to read it aloud in pieces during worship, and we're going to let it go to work on us and to show us fresh ways to worship. A third theme here, super important. Listen to me here. The book of Revelation is about God's sovereign rule and leadership. God rules history, and God will bring it to its consummation in Christ. History is the sphere in which God works. John's going to make that abundantly clear. I didn't mention this, but I keep putting copies of this out in our resource center outside in the commons, and they get snatched up. I think I've put maybe eight or 12 of them out there, and I can't remember. I've got the price inside. It's just cost. I think it's 15 bucks or something, but I'm going to buy some more of these. This is, write this down if you're interested, the returning king 
a guide to the book of Revelation, and the author's name is Poythress, P-O-Y-T-H-R-E-S-S. I think it's probably one of the best introductions to the book of Revelation. Okay, fourth thing, we're almost done here. The book of Revelation underscores that you and I, that Christians are engaged in spiritual battle. And what we're going to see is that this battle is between two powers. The book of Revelation describes the Holy Trinity, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and an unholy trinity, Satan, and two beasts that work for him and with him. So it's a battle between the Holy Trinity and the unholy trinity. It's also a battle between two kingdoms, the kingdom of God and the kingdom of Satan. It's also a battle between two spouses and partners, the wife or the bride of the lamb and the prostitute of Babylon. It's also a battle between two cities, the city of the Lord and the city of the dragon. What a rich book this is. We'll end with this. The final theme is about symbolism. It is full of rich, multifaceted symbolism. And what I want us to do again, inviting us into appreciating, not being overwhelmed, not being uh, confused about the symbolism, but to appreciate it. John wrote this because John had read Isaiah and Jeremiah and Daniel and Ezekiel, and he knew that God loved to speak through symbols, and so that's how he spoke in the book of Revelation. And what we're going to find is that the meaning of understanding these symbols, big newsflash coming, is to read the Bible. So many times people get into the book of Revelation and they're trying to figure out what might this mean and John is saying, go back and read the Old Testament prophets because I'm using their symbolic language and their signs and you will have an understanding of what I'm saying. All right, so the way to understand and read this book, especially look in uh, the cross-references and see John is constantly alluding to Daniel. He's constantly alluding to Ezekiel. If you go back and read what Daniel and Ezekiel said, you'll have a better understanding. That will make more sense. So friends, I'm inviting us to read the book of Revelation, a book of worship, a book that gives a vision of God and Christ and the coming of the kingdom of God that infuses the church with hope and worship. We're going to see that the Lord tells John to eat the book, to eat the scroll that's being given to him. So our Lords, I want to invite you to eat the book. Some of you are going, what in the heck do you mean by that? Let's say you've got a meal in front of you. How do you eat it? You savor it, put that bite in, chew it up, enjoy it several course meal. Well, I'm inviting you into a several course spiritual meal called the book of Revelation. I want you to eat it, to be satisfied and nourished on the word of God that ends the story of inspired scripture. So Lord, we look to you as we embark on this series 
And we, I, I ask for you to give us divine hunger that some of us who have maybe grown a little lethargic and studying the scriptures or some of us that are new, I pray for an impartation of divine hunger in each of us that we would find ourselves so spiritually hungry and thirsty that in the coming weeks we would read this book, we would eat it, and that the revelation of who you are would take root in us like never before, that it would explode inside of us individually and as a church, and that we would be filled with hope and vigor and worship as we enter this new year. And we pray in the name of Jesus, the King of kings and Lord of lords. Amen? You looking forward to it? I am. I certainly am. And I'm going to ask you to be praying for me, be praying for our preaching team, because this is quite an undertaking, right? It's one thing to kind of teach it in the classroom. It's another to set out to do this as a church. Get into the book of Revelation. If you get overwhelmed... Buy this book. There's some other resources I'll add along the way, but this one is a good one to have.